Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. After spending three months serving as a lay missionary in Asia, Mariel Conti saw the beauty of community life in the Catholic faith. She just came back from Hong Kong where she served with the St. Francis Xavier Lay Missionary Society. She and her small team were tasked with building up a community for the English-speaking young adults there. Drawing on her own experiences with Couples for Christ and Catholic Christian Outreach, she set out on a brand new adventure to help bring other young adults to Christ. And Mario told us about her mission on this episode of The Feminine Genius. I wonder if we could start by um, you sharing a little bit about who you are and what you studied while you were still a student. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Marielle Conti. Um, so I graduated from Simon Fraser University. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied human resources in the business department. Um, and I graduated just this past June 2019, so a couple of weeks back. I was born and raised a Catholic and mm-hmm. got involved um, in CCO which is Catholic Christian Outreach, a university ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and since my second year, all throughout. Yeah. yeah. And would you say that prior to you getting involved with CCO, as a kid, were you always involved with your faith, or how did that come about? My parents, they, I think they did a pretty good job in terms of uh, witnessing that faith wasn't always just Sunday Masses. Like They were involved with Couples for Christ, when mm-hmm. we were growing up in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 12, when I migrated here with my whole family, they were also involved with that same Couples for Christ Foundation for Family and Life. Mm-hmm. And I was involved in the youth ministry since I was 14 years old. And mm-hmm. that was really the first time that I started journeying with my faith. Because back then, when I was in the Philippines, I went to a Catholic school but it, um, that were ran by nuns. But it was still different mm-hmm. when you don't see like kids living it out Mm -hmm. trying to discover their faith yeah and then what was the turning point for you in terms of discovering your own faith as a Mm -hmm. daughter of God so I think one of the first turning points was when I was in the youth ministry Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember the leader kept bugging me to go to events and I got a note at one point like I kept saying no to her so that was around when I was like 13 and at one point I got annoyed at myself keep keeping on saying no and I asked myself like okay so I need to decide like do I really want to be part of this community this church community or not like I just Mm -hmm. gotta settle it here once and for all Mm -hmm. and then I decided that yes I want I want to keep on going and if I commit to it then Mm -hmm. I have to keep my word and that was like the, so that was my first yes as mm-hmm. a 13-year-old kid going to events. So there were little um, small discussion groups called households. Right. So you would um, be with other girls who were your age and mm-hmm. talk about different topics. 
from then on, it was it became little yeses, and mm-hmm. up until later, I became the chapter head of that youth ministry. Mm. Um, when from second year university up until just a year ago. Wow. Um, so yeah, as and I started off as being really shy, but mm-hmm. so I never thought like back then that if someone asked me that I would be a leader of the youth ministry, I would be like, no, like, because mm. my very first camp with them, like, I was such a fly on the wall that mm. nobody even remembered that I went to that camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh so that was my first yes. And of course, mm-hmm. my journey in university was different also. Yeah. And if you, someone had asked you previously that, oh, do you think that you'll be a leader one day? Mm. You would say no. Like, do you think that if someone had asked you previously if you'd be going on mission, like just going outside of Canada to share your faith, what would your reaction have been all those years ago? Yeah, I would... Uh, Maybe I would go outside of Canada for vacation, mm-hmm. but never for a mission, because it would never really. That was not something I was used to hearing from other kids. Right. You know, it was not the norm back then, mm-hmm. um, especially in the Philippines or um, even in my circle. I, I didn't think it was. I I knew that people could did exchange with school, right? But that's about it. And of course, we know now that you had just come back from Asia. You mm. were in Hong Kong for an extended period of time. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your mission work there, just because that is, you know, when I think about going away on mission, I think maybe a couple weeks, like I think mm. of myself going away to Panama for two weeks, but you were gone for three months. Is that mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that mission? Sure. I guess when I got involved with Catholic Christian Outreach, CCO, mm-hmm. um, the first time I did 10 days uh, with CCO in mm-hmm. Mexico. Mm-hmm. And that was very really the first time that I was exposed to life outside of my bubble, you know, like seeing um, the homeless people and visiting orphans um, and just being fed by these people who are materially poor but spiritually so rich Mm -hmm. and you know like I saw like my life and I'm like oh wow so they're so content with the little that they have and they have so much Mm -hmm. and and I remember that experience and my eyes were just really open because aside from migrating from the Philippines I hadn't really gone anywhere else Mm -hmm. um and I just stuck to this bubble of mine and I knew that I wanted more, like 10 days was great, but I wanted to discover more. And in the eyes of the church, of being like God alongside me. Mm -hmm. And so when CCO had their Vancouver Rise Up in 2016, I met uh, St. Francis Xavier Lay Missionary Society and they did Mission to Asia. And I was very attracted to it because I wanted to know more um, because my mom is part Chinese so I wanted to be in touch with her culture and so God turned that desire around because I always meant to go Mm -hmm. um, to discover more but he turned it around he's like okay you want to go to Asia Mm -hmm. then do it for me Mm -hmm. and I never thought that he would do that so I'm like oh what perfect way to um and my university mm-hmm. to kind of treat myself to go on mission uh, for three months um yeah and hong kong was beautiful like it was such a diverse place to be like with the city and also like the rural part mm-hmm. so there we were tasked to build a community with the english young adults mm-hmm. because there's a lot of opportunities for the 
Chinese-speaking people, but for the English-speaking, there weren't as much. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that they had was adoration once a month. Mm-hmm. And even then, they didn't have a lot of interaction with one another mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, so, so that was their primary mission, was to mm-hmm. st- get that started and build leaders that would slowly change the culture of Hong Kong being a fast-paced and very consumerism kind of mindset. Right. And definitely you spend a lot more time in Hong Kong and have gone to places that I know that I myself, like being Chinese, my mom's from Hong Kong, I've never been. Mm. And I just like wonder if you could maybe describe, like you're touching on a little bit about the culture with it being like consumerist and fast-paced. And and so what were some of the biggest differences that you saw Mm. from here versus Hong Kong? The biggest one was, so Vancouver is a big city, but Hong Kong is like such a huge city. It's probably Mm -hmm. the biggest I've ever seen. Um, And aside from like their trains, there's always it's always rush hour. Like, it's Mm -hmm. always packed. Um, There's no, like, rush hour period. The whole time it's, like, rush hour. But, um, and their malls are very extravagant, very Mm -hmm. high-end. And I just saw, like, the way that, you know, people, like, overworked themselves, Mm -hmm. working 10 to 12 hours on average, um, and working weekends as well. Um, And one of the young adults told me that people are very lost and very, you know, lonely, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing, like, if they don't have faith, the only thing that they turn to is either alcohol or drugs, because it's so accessible, Um, and it's prominent everywhere, Mm -hmm. like, there'll be locations that you could really tell that that, that's Mm -hmm. what they, um, that was the culture, because, like, there was nothing else that they could feed themselves, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you're tired and you're overworked, you want to hold on to something comfortable and something that soothes you, and that was the the most accessible thing they could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so... Wow. Like, I never... I mean, I guess I knew a little bit about the culture in terms of it being fast-paced and people Mm -hmm. overworking themselves, but that really is... It's very striking to hear um, that you were able to witness this firsthand and... Um, I, I think, praise God, that you and your team were able to bring Jesus into those dark places. Right, yeah. yeah. So the people that we ministered to, they were already practicing Catholics who went to Sunday Masses, and they were lonely because a lot of them were expats mm-hmm. who um, were placed in Hong Kong and didn't have family. Mm-hmm. Um, and be, even if they have friends, they don't really have deep relationships with the people mm-hmm. because everyone is just so busy unless you're co-workers and you see each other every day but aside from that like um, I remember one friend of mine like she was born in Hong Kong and then went to Vancouver for high school all the way to university sorry Canada Vancouver for a part and then um, Toronto for university mm-hmm. and then she moved back to Hong Kong and when she met me she's like um, yeah it's really different here like it's like before you came like we so we created a space where people we had fellowship and uh, we read um, documents of the pope and then discussed it every week on fridays in one of their high-end malls and that's where we would meet Um, and then she she said that you know like i didn't know that i needed community that much um, even though she was already really good with her faith she like she seek serving and she volunteered for the homeless shelter but Mm -hmm. she just didn't have people that could uplift her and make her feel like she's not alone right yeah so even people with faith they still struggle because Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lack of community and what would you say were 
maybe some of the challenges that you encountered while you were on your mission? Right. So definitely the first month when I first arrived, like I was still figuring out what the ministry that, because the way St. Francis Xavier works is you minister according to your talents. Mm. And since my experience with CCO, I was very um, in tune with the young adults and events. Um, and so that's what I seek. But the first month we were always with older people who are like four, uh, 40s and above. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I you know, I didn't really know who I could minister to. So there was a lot of loneliness in the beginning. So I experienced that too, which is probably what people in Hong Kong experience all the time. Mm. Because cause I was used to community in CCO and in Couples for Christ growing up, um, whereas that was the first time that I was completely alone. So there was a lot of silence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I often questioned God, like, well, I thought I was you were going to use me here. Like, mm-hmm. So I ha- there was a period of waiting as well and feeling like oh maybe I can't be useful like Mm -hmm. am I not contribute like not contributing to the mission and doubting also my capabilities because in the beginning I thought that I would have more missionaries with me but um, in reality it was the founder uh, one other lay missionary who was um, a 50 year old woman Mm. and me and there were yeah, there were no other other young adults, and the woman ended up having to go back to her country because she had to apply for a missionary visa, and so she didn't make it back until it was my final week Whoa. that I was about to leave. So I was alone for a month and a half. Oh my goodness! Um, so just really relying on God and Him alone, and mm. being comfortable with the silence, and even yeah, just like a ro- a lot of resting in him and trusting that in his time he would use me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then I guess jumping off of that, eventually once maybe you started to get your bearings and you started to see the lay of the land and understand how it was that the mission was going to work, how did you see God work through you? Mm-hmm. So during one of the fellowship faith nights that we had, one of the young adults revealed to me that that was when I was having a challenging challenge quite a challenge at that time and she's like oh I wasn't supposed to come today but God sent me here for you mm-hmm. to support you and I'm like he did and it's like yeah he told me why you're here mm-hmm. and I'm like okay what did he say it's like he sent you here to walk with a young adults and I was like really because I can do that because I want to walk with the young adults because that's what I need I need community mm-hmm. and so so the very thing that I needed for my own spiritual growth, like was the thing that he wanted me to provide also mm. for the people. So it was just creating an atmosphere where people can have fellowship and because um, they were they were already leaders in their faith, they just mm-hmm. needed each other to be built up. Um, so that's what we fo- what I focused on was building them up. Um, so there were around thirteen young adults that regularly met. Mm. On Tuesdays, we would have like a video series on from form.org. We would watch something there. And then on Friday nights, we would read an encyclical. Like we read Faith and Reason Mm -hmm. and Gaudate et Exultate by Mm -hmm. Pope Francis. So Fridays, we would have discussions. Mm -hmm. And the other days of the week, we would hang out and do community building activities and volunteer for the uh, Missionaries of Charity too some Saturdays. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it was focusing on building up the leaders that were there. And so to this day, they, they're still meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 
lady um, who came a week before I was leaving. Yeah. She continued to journey with them, and then she left on July 1st. So now I'm still on their group chat and I see them like, hey guys, let's brainstorm what we're going to do next. Even if there's nobody that like, there's no missionary there that right. is, um, you know, giving the events for them. But they're yeah. brainstorming themselves. Mm-hmm. And how does that make you feel to see these people that you journeyed with are still working together and they're trying mm-hmm. to make things happen for themselves? Like, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel honored because I know that so these people I already look up to them like while I was there and I was discerning to be on staff Mm -hmm. with CCO like they were encourage encouragement for me also Mm -hmm. um and challenging me in my own faith and so I knew that when I came like maybe they needed me for them to unite together but Mm -hmm. in terms of their spiritual maturity they were already like so inspiring Mm -hmm. and so it makes me feel honored that I was able to bring them together, mm-hmm. um, and they they're continuing to journey with one another. So near the end, like I was very sad to leave sure. when I realized I only had a couple of weeks left. I was like crying. I was like, we we became so close, especially mm-hmm. because every day we would, um, when I would get lost, I would have them to ask how to get home. And the beautiful thing was is that we we're open about our weaknesses too as mm-hmm. Christians. Um, and in that, like, we know that, like, okay, like, you have this weakness of yours, but you are so loved. Mm-hmm. And there was that openness um, about our personal struggles. And um, and so I thought that was really beautiful. So there was transparency in that friendship. So while I was about to leave, I was talking to, with one of the young adults and I was really sad and he he said, Marielle, you have to go. You know, God has something there for you. And mm-hmm. he, I think he has a charism of prophecy. So he, he was the one who's always challenging me with my faith. He's like pushing me to like go, like accept it already, like accept the offer. And even though I was hesitant, but, and I told him like, why, like I got so attached with you guys and, you know, we our hearts were connected and mm-hmm. why does God ask, is, why is he asking me to go again? And um, kind of start over right. in a foreign place in Ottawa now, mm-hmm. and and he's like, well, that's the very reason why you have to leave because now you're attached and you're now you're comfortable, but you're not never supposed to be comfortable. And I'm like, I guess. And so wow. you know, like yeah. they, in terms of challenging me in my faith, like they really did that. Right, and like your your friend was mentioning, you know, you are going to a new place and you're going to start over. I wanted to congratulate you also for just accepting that job uh, with CCO in Ottawa. I was wondering if you could share a little bit. One year Vine program. But they challenged me and asked, like, would you be open to doing three years? Mm. And in the beginning, I had a little wrestle with God being so comfortable in Vancouver and Mm. this place being my home. I struggled to kind of let go and three years was a long time that I wasn't mentally prepared for but Mm -hmm. over time like the days that I did pray through it I eventually received more peace and eventually saw that the fruit that it could bring to me and also to my loved ones Mm -hmm. and so yeah so I decided to accept it and I didn't like at that time when they offered me the three years I was like oh wow like it's I forgot that it was my dream job mm-hmm. because of the doubts, you know, starting to come in. But God was faithful and he continued to remind me that he has like a beautiful plan. Like it's a 
like I could only dream like and he's the greatest artist alive mm-hmm. and he could he would make like a masterpiece mm-hmm. and even though there was that desire of mine to work for HR but when it was presented to me in a way that I didn't exactly paint myself that he kind of altered a little bit then I was like oh wow that's too scary but I, I trust that like if when I do follow that his masterpiece will unfold mm. yeah. that's so exciting and I love that metaphor that you use about this portrait and painting and how it is that we can have our own conceptions of this dream that we might have for ourselves but God always comes back and delivers like tenfold or a hundredfold mm-hmm. and you're right like he'll alter a little bit and we're like whoa like why does it look different even though it's like you were saying it's your dream job but mm-hmm. the way that he's challenging you to give even more to him that he's calling you to trust him even more exactly yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask how you see yourself living out the feminine genius and what strikes me I guess about our conversation so far you were talking earlier about you know, households and journeying with women and you're talking about journeying with other young adults and whatnot. And, you know, having known you for quite some time, I know that you have a a particular charism of like empathy and just being able to, like, I think, yeah, like, you know, you said it very well, you journey well with others. Mm. And I wonder like if you could maybe reflect on how you've seen the feminine genius working through you. Sure. Um, I think particularly during my time in Hong Kong, um, I realized like there were a lot of men in our young adult community, the little young adult community that we had, um, who were very strong male leaders Mm -hmm. that were necessary, but it was the women who created the events and provided the space for their talents to shine through. Like I remember one time, a couple teachers who were Americans who graduated from a Franciscan university, they're mm-hmm. teaching in Hong Kong, and they're like, hey guys, like, let's um, come over for spaghetti. They invited us over for spaghetti one night in their school house, mm-hmm. and that was where, like, we named ourselves as rooftop community like that was how it was formed through them like inviting us to come over like it wasn't in the restaurants it wasn't Mm -hmm. in the malls that we had fellowship at but it was in that home environment where they felt like they could be people could be open and Mm -hmm. cared for and be themselves i remember talking to one of the girls who's currently now in the united states and she will be going back to hong kong and i told her now that you're going back to hong kong for another year i have trust that our um, community that we've established will continue Mm -hmm. because it's so different when a woman can make people come together and have that sense of family Mm -hmm. and sense of openness and care and mm-hmm. yeah it's like a very special charism because right. um, she it, it's the women that get things done it's the women that um very organized and that would yeah push through with with mm-hmm. with an event and be like patient along the way and for me like that was definitely something that i didn't know i had um that we had a charisms workshop one weekend and um, the founder of St. Francis Xavier, she saw in the beginning that there was that like charism of pastoring and care mm-hmm. um, and allowing people to, yeah, like I guess the feminine genius comes from people allowing them to be themselves and um, being open. 
yeah, like that nurture mm-hmm. and and love, and that's very important in in our faith and community life. Right. And have you heard that term before, or have you encountered the term feminine genius before? Mm, I actually have not, so this is the first time, and I do love the term now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the um, the beauty of how like our the w- role of women in in the world is so is important of course mm-hmm. as important as the role of a man mm-hmm. um but it's, it just makes it feel so beautiful and so necessary for communities and people feeling like they're cared for and mm-hmm. um complimenting and bringing out the best in the male leaders that i had in hong kong mm. yeah that's so nice I love that. What advice do you have for maybe women who are looking for those ways to belong and live out their feminine genius or their live out their missionary identity? I think it would be to really look to might be cliche, but really look to like Mother Mary mm. um, in her humility and her meekness. Um, that being meek is not something to look down on. It's 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 something to be praised um and in in the way that she was just obedient um mm-hmm. to God the Father but also to Joseph um and she brought out i'm sure like the best in Joseph um so yeah really seeking out like through prayer um asking Mary to guide mm-hmm. guide our step each each step of the way and Yeah, and her purity and her and her beauty. Thank you to Mario Conti for joining us today on the Feminine Genius Podcast. If you want to learn more about the St. Francis Xavier Lay Missionary Society, I've put a link to their website in the episode description below. And of course, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find us online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FemGeniusPod to stay up to date on news, new episodes, and other exciting announcements. I'll chat with you next week, and God bless always.